The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's another episode of Sports Yak Podcast. Who types this stuff? Just run it, hit play, hear it, get it done with. I'm Jim Shorts. I'm an icon. The class of 2019 Indiana Sports Writer and Sportscasters Hall of Famer Chuck Freebie. And the other butt monkey. Who cares? Hit the subscribe button. I'd hate to miss a second of this junk. Sports Yak, the podcast. Now that's good. Now turn it off. Live from a bunker in the heart of the Ozarks, a podcast that will never look at a can of dog food the same way again. It's Sif Pop. And away we go. And away we go. <laughs> Welcome to Sip Pop, streaming live most weekends are available to download later in your podcast feed. Let's of course your patron. Patrons get perks. Patrons get those perks. Woo! I'm your host, Aaron Dicer, and he's my Xenial and Xenodochial co-host, Andrew Ormsby. Wow, that, that was a stretch. <laughs> yeah, you really had a thesaurus that or a dictionary, didn't you? No, I, those are both words that I knew. Uh, and each week we'll chat about movies, television, and whatever else from the pop culture universe is on our minds. Uh, they kind of mean similar things, but they're a little bit different. Uh, have you heard the word xenophobic? Yeah. Okay, you, so... But that starts with an X. So yes, we're on X. Oh, I thought we were on Z's. No. Oh. No, no, no. I'll, there's plenty of better words for Z. X is the tough one. Really? X is the tough one. Yeah. So, uh, xenoph- Wait, so you're saying I'm racist? <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't say xenophobic. Oh. I said uh, xenodochial, which means the opposite of racist. It means you like strangers. You're courteous to strangers. And then Oh, that's z- not true at all. <laughs> <laughs> and then xenial uh, kind of means a very similar thing, uh, except it, it has more to do with hospitality. It has more to do with, you know, when you have friends over, you're good at taking care of them and that kind of stuff. Yeah, so. You knew me, Aaron. <laughs> now Look, I'm learning so there were, much. There were there were two adjectives, two adjectives that started with X. Yeah, I get <laughs> like, it. Fair enough. Fair I enough. I could have gone like with the cheat and done like excellent, you know, that kind of thing. But <laughs> extreme. I'm just, extreme. I'm just not, I'm just not a cheater. I didn't want to cheat, so I went with the full. I'll give it the to full you. X. Well, thank uh, you. You're very welcome. Uh, thank you for hanging out with us for this episode of Sif Pop. We are glad you're here. We're going to have a great time. Uh, want to let you know right off the bat. 
Uh, we're doing something we haven't done in a long time. I'm really proud that we haven't done this in a long time, but every once in a while it does need to happen. We're going to take a week off next week. Uh, now, don't fret. If you want some Hobbs and Shaw talk, we will give you some Hobbs and Shaw talk the week after. Uh, but due to circumstances, vacations, different things, uh, we will not be able to record next week in a timely fashion. So we're going to go ahead and take a week off. Now, I will say this. If I find some time to record something with somebody and send it to Phil, maybe we'll do a, you know, like a swift sift. We've done that before uh, where I'll just send something to Phil and he'll post it in the feed and maybe we'll get that up there. But did want to let you know, might be a couple weeks before you hear the next uh, episode. I'm trying to remember if anything comes out the week after Hobbs and Shaw. Not, nothing, nothing crazy. So if there's something we want to talk about, we can still do a twofer. Yeah. But it's not a huge week. So it might actually just work out that it, way. It kind of works out nicely. Yeah. Uh, in that way. So wanted to give you a heads up on that before we got to the rest of the show today. Like I said, going to be a lot of fun. We'll do all the regular stuff like Buried Treasure. We've got a Sift Quest about the best movies of a decade. Nothing like a nice small topic uh, to, you know, really just kind of just nibble on a little bit. Yeah. You don't have to go deep on that or anything. Uh, so we're going to talk best movies of the 2010s and the Sift Quest. And uh, then we're going to review Tarantino's latest Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, and we like to kick it off with some Do We Care? Every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. You almost sang that one. That I was almost nice. did, yeah. <laughs> uh, every single week, I scour the internet to find out what is going on in the entertainment world. I pick some topics for us to discuss, and we must decide, do we care or not? Number one. this okay, I'm just going to say this up front. Okay. All of these are Marvel-themed. Well, I was going to say because all the Marvel announcements happened after we recorded last yeah. week. So I figured we'd just do the Marvel Comic-Con stuff this week, and that would be what we did. And that's fine with me. Yeah. Uh, one of them isn't technically Comic-Con-related, but it is Marvel stuff. Okay, fair so, enough. Uh, I just want to do a... F- quick rundown phase four for yeah, people who don't absolutely. know what's going on so yeah a plethora or even of things. just even just to talk about it you know yeah. like this is our place to talk about this stuff i have all the announcements right here so is there anything like that just jumped out to you well here's like- I, I i like kind of the broad thoughts on this kind of stuff my first thing is i think it's Really cool and very exciting that they are treating the TV properties as part of Phase 4. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, the idea that they put five TV properties out there and five movies over the next couple years, so ten entities of Phase 4, and they included that is really exciting to me. The closest they've ever come to doing that is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first couple seasons really did tie into the MCU in, you know, a decent way. Uh, They've kind of gone away from that uh, in recent seasons. And it sounds like these shows on Disney Plus are going to be that to the nth degree. They're actually going to be continuitous MCU programming. And that's cool. And I think one of them, the WandaVision thing, is going into the Doctor Strange movie and apparently carrying over and crossing over. And I just I think that's really great. Yeah. So I, that's kind of one of my broad things is I'm really glad they're treating the TV yeah. as a legitimate part of the MCU Phase Four oh, and beyond. I'm sure beyond uh, all of the of all the TV shows. Was there one that just really st- struck you as interesting? Hundred percent. I bet it's the same one as me. It's What If. Yeah. 
what if is going to blow my mind. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I love animation, so it doesn't bother me that it's animated. Yeah. I love the fact that all the voices that are coming back are the actual voices from the MCU. Yeah. The idea of, I was, I was thinking we're going to be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood today. Tarantino has kind of been doing the what if comic series yeah. with his movies. <laughs> so it's kind of, you know, that idea of taking a look at the existing understanding of continuity, especially in the MCU, and then going, well, let's, let's take a little turn here is yeah. fascinating to me yeah. and I'm super excited about it. And Jeffrey Wright is one of the watchers. I mean, the guy just got the most velvety voice. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'm super stoked because the whole like you said the whole concept of it's like two years from now by the way yeah before it debuts summer of 2021 yeah, it's so a shame but it's gonna be a while well you know sometimes it's crazy with these marvel properties you forget that how quickly it all just flies by yeah like that's really what pushes time forward so quickly it's the mcu yeah because like you think it's you know watching your kids grow up that makes you feel like you know <laughs> no it's the mcu because you're like wait we're on phase four already oh it, it was just yesterday that the oh, iron man. man came out but, uh the other show the other show i'm really excited about is uh locust gump yes uh which you know will show loki <laughs> having a major impact in all of earth's history Odin, so. why don't you love me, Odin? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, so that one's going to be a lot of fun. It's funny, I'm kind of... I'm, no, it's not true. I was going to say I'm kind of more excited about TV shows, but that's not true. I'm so pumped about the Doctor Strange movie as well. Oh, Multiverse um, of Madness, which also will have Wanda in yeah. it. Yeah, and, and Scott Derrickson is saying is going to be the first scary MCU movie, possibly yeah. a horror quote-unquote movie, and I'm like, that's yeah. cool. I'm not a horror fan, but if you're going to make PG-13 horror that, that deals with suspense and also the multiverse i'm interested and by the way doctor strange is where the multiverse should be introduced and i hope they handle it with care because you can really undercut some stakes when you start dealing in multiverses yeah. in time travel and we've already talked about that quite a bit so i hope they take care with whatever the multiverse aspect of that is going to be yep so. uh, also uh, two big uh, things of news came from thor love and thunder which I love that title so much. <laughs> the titles it's are great. so metal. These, it's these so, titles are all great. Yeah, but particularly Thor Love and Thunder because it just has Taika written all over, uh -huh. you know. Yeah. Um, the introduction of Jane Foster as Mighty Thor. Yeah. That's big news. That's huge. I yeah. mean, to get Natalie Portman back, too, Yeah. after, you know, kind of the rumors were that they didn't split on great terms. She really didn't like... Uh, um, the second Thor movie, um, Dark nobody World. Liked the, nobody liked the second Thor. <laughs> well, I think, and then again, that's just rumor. Right? It's just yeah. that's what I've picked up from the you know the pop but culture consciousness. Money, Aaron. <laughs> right? Yeah. But she's great. I'm glad. I think I'm glad they're able to keep that continuity and use her. I think that's going to yeah. be really cool. And then of course they close the show with two-time Oscar winner Mahershala Ali being introduced as Blade. Yeah, that was that was the biggest like what. I know. It but was like, are you kidding me? It's so awesome. I'm so oh, it's stoked. Great. Yeah. yeah. Two-time Oscar winner. Yeah, two-time Oscar winner. Calls Which, up Marvel, and he's like, I got something for you. Yeah. I want to be Blade. And they're like, come, sup <laughs> with us, Margaret Mahershala. Yeah. <laughs> Let us eat together and discuss, shall we? Exactly. I mean, how powerful is Marva, Marvel that, you know, a two-time Oscar winner is like, please put me in your movies. Well, if you just look at the MCU and this cast that they've assembled... He's not the only Oscar winner. <laughs> They've had... Sorry, no pun intended, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Assembled. Um, yeah. 
I mean, he's not the only Oscar winner, but it's still every single time they get one, you're like, wow. They understand quality actors produce quality content. Well, they also, but they also understand that there's something to be gained from having great new actors in the picture as well. I think Tom Holland. I think it, with Tom Holland's a great example, and with Shang Chi coming up, the guy that's going to be in Shang Chi actually petitioned on Twitter like a year ago for the part, and and they gave it to him, and he's like not really been in a lot of stuff, and that's oh that's mind blowing. Well, I think it was he was cast on Wednesday and he then he was in Hall H on Friday. Yeah. I think that's what it was. That's so crazy. He, he'd known he was Shang-Chi for two days and he was already being presented to eight thousand people Can in you Hall imagine? H. Talk about no. your life changing overnight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's li- insane. Yeah, that's insane. I, think- I don't know that I could have lower expectations for Black Widow. Like, I don't, I just, I mean, the only reason I have expectations for it at all is because, one, I like Scarlett Johansson. I think she's a great actress. Rachel Weisz. Uh, and two, it's Marvel. <laughs> and they seem to be able to put together a good movie, no matter what. But, man, there's nothing about, there's nothing I know about it, at least, that is attractive to me. You really? know, that's exciting to me. Uh, David Harbour and Rachel Weisz are, like, really cool selling Sure, no, 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 I get, yeah, I get the cast. But 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 you may also be misunderstanding me. I think okay. So what you're saying is it's not uh, instrumental to the MCU's story arc. So I'm saying I don't know how it's instrumental to the MCU's story arc. Okay. My guess is that it will be, and this is why what I'm saying is I love this. I love when I have no expectations going into a movie. I love when I don't know how it's going to relate to everything else. This is so up, and eventually trailers are going to come out, and people are going to start to understand what this movie is going to be about. Yeah. But this moment we're in right now where nobody really understands what this movie is, is what I love. I cherish that right up to release day. I would love to go into Black Widow knowing exactly what I know now. Because to me, that's the opportunity to blow my mind. Yeah. So, And I think they could. I think they could take that property, even though it's in the past and kind of you think that eliminates some stakes because it's not like she can die or anything. We we know how that happens later. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited not to be excited for it. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Be excited. Be, be excited. So did you hit all the ones you wanted to hit? Yeah. Okay, so here's the other thing I would mention. Well, they mentioned uh, stuff in Phase 5. Exactly. That's the other thing I think we need to talk about is the fact that these are the you know the 10 things they mentioned for Phase 4. Doesn't touch on Captain Marvel 2. Doesn't touch on Black Panther 2. Doesn't touch on Guardians 3. Or Mutants. Or Mutants. Or, or Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. And they mentioned all of well, those things as a possible Phase 5. possibly Blade will be in Phase 5, too. You would think so. Yeah. You would think so so it, it's, well, Feige said they have Phase well, Five already pl- planned out. Well, here's the other thing: what if you know the Eternals is mind blowing? They're going to want to get into Eternals too in process really quick. I just it's going to be really interesting to see how they how they divvy out their hand because there does come a point where Marvel fatigue will be a real thing. You can't release one every month. I mean, maybe you can. I mean, I'm on board right now. But. I, I think one of the takeaways for me was that seven of those are coming out in one year. Yeah. So, like, from Shang-Chi all the way to Thor, Love, and Thunder, 
there's seven properties coming out in 12 months. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, Including I, the TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's, and I think that, that, that changes it, things because yeah. you're not, you know, when you oh, go get, to the theater you. versus just firing it up on, you know, eight episodes up. And I think these will just, be like eight episodes, you know, miniseries. Yeah. I think is what they'll be. It's, and I think that's genius, by the way. I it's think just that's a great. lot of content, though, because you're asking people to go to two and a half hours for each mm-hmm. movie and then putting in another 12 hours or so right. for the, each TV show. So that's a lot of hours. Um, I mean, is there some day is are you know are we 30 years from saying hey do you want to go to the marvels tonight you know instead of go to the movies you know what i'm saying i'm not even kidding like is is it a possible future where it's just whatever disney's releasing and that's it kevin feige will be president (laughs) hey dad can we go to the disney's yeah (laughs) that's actually more in line with what i think disney will be the first big corporate well, monopoly. I, I've been saying for a while. I think I think the movie companies are going to buy theater chains. I think it's going to happen. It makes sense in a lot of ways for them to be able to fold in the kind of the A list movie pass idea into their streaming services. So we'll see. It's possible. It's not like I've done the math on it or anything, but <laughs> it makes sense to it makes sense to my 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 small little brain yeah. in some ways. But I'll tell you what people did do math on. <laughs> What's that? Number two. <laughs> Avengers Endgame is officially the highest grossing movie of all time. Don't give me any of that BS about inflation or anything like that. (laughs) Money is is money. Oh, Aaron, how I wish we had made a bet. Yeah, (laughs) we were talking about this. You said two hundred million. It's not going to make it. Yeah, I. uh, It's it's funny because I have been certain uh, originally when the first weekend came out. I was like, you can hear me on this podcast. Oh, it's gonna beat it in like three weeks. You know, like I have this this certainty, like it's not even not even close. Well, Force Awakens, then, we then, were singing that same song. And then three and then three weeks ago, I'm like, no, it doesn't have a chance to beat it now. Yeah. You know, it's like here's here's what you need to learn. Just take whatever I say, just go the opposite direction. You exactly. know, whatever I believe, it's you know, it's not gonna happen. Yeah. Uh for now, uh it is quite possible uh Disney will put uh put Avatar back in theaters when uh, the new avatar movies come out in fact i think it's fairly likely so it'll be interesting to see if it kind of shifts back after this if disney can overtake disney that's that's (laughs) savage wait um so disney they didn't own uh, avatar originally no but they do now Yeah. yeah so can they as since they're not the original distributor oh it's theirs did they buy the property or did they buy the original licensing for Avatar. Oh, that's two different things. It all comes together. You sure? I'm positive. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's theirs. They they bought Fox. <laughs> They've they bought, got it. They bought Fox, yeah. Okay. All so right. it'll, it'll be interesting to, again, whatever I say, just believe the opposite. So I'm probably wrong. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, when I sound really certain about something... Just, just know that it's probably not true. Yeah, you say that, but look, you're some some list. Well, that's true. I have I have done a pretty good job with that. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, I think it'll be fascinating. I I would love to see them battle back and forth For, till the end of <laughs> time. Till the end of time, they yeah. just keep re-releasing, just to just to battle each other. Okay, when did Avatar come out? Oh nine. Yes. Okay. Two thousand and nine. So in ten years, we can expect a new king of the box office. Mm-hmm. If you know everything is holding true, uh, yeah. If it doesn't happen in three years, yeah. Could 
would it be a new property? Would it be? Uh, you think it'll well, be just another here's Marvel what's movie? Bitter, here's what's bittersweet. I know a lot of people don't like Avatar as much as I do. I, I get it. There's a lot of James Cameron backlash. I get that too. Uh, here's here's the thing that makes it a little bit bittersweet, though. Even if you wanted Avengers to take this crown, e- yeah, Avatar probably will be the last time an original idea, quote unquote original. I know it came from a lot of different story places i get that dances with wolves is officially the highest grossing movie of all time um so i I, you know there is part of me that's like well that's sad it's just going to be a you know a big budget sequel now will be the only things that make this kind of money um but you know i mean it is what it is so i unless there's something we don't know of that somebody's coming up with it's just going to capture everybody's brain like you know avatar did or I'm trying to or whatever think if, did if there's a beloved uh story or something kind of like lord of the rings you know which just took the world by storm but it was also an original property that yeah. hasn't been adapted yet yeah i mean that's a possibility i was thinking more of something you know wholly original truly truly original yeah. okay but yeah, yeah. I don't know. Mm. It'll be interesting. Yeah. For sure. That's going to wrap it up for Do We Care. Very nice. Well, let's get into the review then. Let's talk yeah. about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, Rick, uh, explain to the audience exactly what it is a stunt double does. Actors are required to do a, a lot of dangerous stuff. <laughs> Cliff here is meant to help carry the load. Is that uh, how you describe your job, Cliff? What, carrying his load? Yeah, it's about right. (laughs) Once Upon a Time in Hollywood visits 1969 Los Angeles 50 years ago, almost to the day when everything is changing as TV star Rick Dalton and his longtime stunt double Cliff Booth make their way around an industry they hardly recognize anymore of course that's uh, leo and brad playing the main roles there you've got margot robbie in there as well uh and a lot of this of course happening around the time of the manson murders that yep. people know um so what did you think did you like it love it dislike it hate it or it was just okay it was okay just okay for you yeah maybe high side of okay <sighs> yeah that's where i started uh, I walked out on the high side of OK. Uh, it has steadily been increasing since then. Really? It's, yeah, it's one of those movies that has just stuck with me. And I, I find myself revisiting moments from it over and over throughout <laughs> you know the day that I've seen it. So Oh, that's crazy because the exact opposite is happening. I left the theater really liking it. Yeah. But it's been decreasing for me the more I've actually, you know, dissected it to where it's just well, high side of okay. But what's fascinating is maybe maybe it's a difference of dissection versus rumination. Um, because I haven't actually done any dissecting of this movie. Like I haven't my thoughts haven't been along the lines of, you know, well, oh, how did this do how this? did this do this? Yeah. Or why is this character motivation? My thoughts have been more of, oh, I remember that one time. Yeah. Oh, you remember that one time? Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's kind of I think why mine's increasing. I think that's kind of a testament to how Quentin Tarantino makes movies. Yeah. Um he is in many ways an uh, a master of uh, pastiche. He's a master of putting stuff on the screen that just feels a certain way. Uh, the way he captures nostalgia, the way he captures an era, the way he captures an attitude is really fascinating to me. Uh, and this, among all his movies, and I think this is the reason it's really growing on me, 
is a really sentimental movie. I don't think I've ever seen him be this like love. Like there's love on the screen. There's, you know, I mean, it's not like his movies are devoid of love or joy completely, but they, I've just never seen such a sentimentality to well, what he's done. There's a sense of ridiculousness with every Quentin Tarantino Oh, sure. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And granted, this movie does have moments like that, but for the most part, um, it's very not Tarantino. Yeah, it, you're right. No, and that's and that, again, is probably another reason because you that are, I like it. I'm not yeah. a huge Tarantino guy, like the, yeah. especially the f- Tarantino films that most people love, like Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs. I just, I don't get into them. Like, I get why people love them. Mm-hmm. It's just not, it's not my texture. I'm just, I'm not there. It's um, your Amami. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, uh, this one, this one is a little bit more my texture. It, it feels to me like a, a movie that is uh, one of the complaints I've seen with it. Maybe, uh, this is a problem with you or something that's growing with you, but I, this is not a problem with me. Um, people think it's too loose, that it needs to be tightened up and yes. that it's too long. And I, I completely disagree. I think if this movie succeeds, it succeeds because it lives in the moments, because it lives in the characters. I can't imagine what I would cut out of this movie. Oh, well, I got a list. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, and I bet, and I could be wrong, maybe, maybe you'll convince me, but I bet when we do that in spoilers and you give me the list of things you would cut out, yeah. I'd be like, no. I, I'm guessing I'll be like, no, I loved that or I would miss that or you know those kind of things. So I, could, I bet I could say this as a broad sense and then I could just dissect it in spoilers, but I think that if this movie were to focus more on Brad and Leo, which, by the way, they are giving stellar performances in this movie. They this, are gi- this is my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance. Uh, it's up there, man. It's, it's super good. It's incredible. Yeah. Incredibly nuanced. And just, I like, I, Rick Dalton <laughs> is a real person. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's that kind of performance where you're like, oh, that's Rick Dalton. Yeah. You know? And, and not to take anything away from Brad, because I same thing. Oh, that's Cliff Booth. Yeah. Like, these are great characters. They're well-drawn. And part of the reason I think it works so well is because you're allowed to live in their mind space so yeah. much. You spend a day in the life, you know, with them. Yeah. So. Well, I think that the reason why a lot of people will be coming away from Leo's performance above Brad's is because they're both playing to exactly what the character is required. You know, Leo is the actor. And Cl- and Cliff is the stuntman, so the stuntman is not going to really be, you know, charismatic or you know, vibrant or anything like that. You know, he's just the guy who moves. Yeah, or or at least as uh, gregarious or over the top. Exactly. You know, he's definitely charismatic, but he's charismatic in in kind of a cool, laid back. Yeah, exactly. Kind Whereas of way. Leo has energy, you know, and he you know is not afraid to show it. You know, he's got. He's actually. Brad is kind of using almost part of his, um, is it Rusty? Ocean's Eleven character? A little bit. He's just There's, not using he, as much. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's just a little bit of that cool cat, nothing yeah. phases me, you yeah. know, kind of thing going on, which he's great at. And yeah. by the way, 55-year-old Brad Pitt Looks taking his shirt off me. on a roof. And I'm just like, I would have liked to look like that at 25, <laughs> yeah. let alone 50. Good night, man. Yeah. <sighs> like... 
what in the world? 55. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's at Springfield. It's it's at Springfield living. Apparently not, because it's not working for me. I, I got to get up on more rooftops. We should say that for our, our non-Springfield oh, yeah. listeners. We, yeah, we live in the same town. Brad yeah, Pitt. Brad Pitt, born and raised right here. Well, not uh, born, but raised. Raised right here. That's true. Yeah. I, I always forget that. He was not born here, but yeah, he was raised here in Springfield. He was born so. Oklahoma with a comes sweeping down the... He was, um, he was raised in the heart of the Ozarks. Yeah, exactly. Not in a bunker, though. No, not that we know of, at least. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but going back to um, what I had issues with this movie is the fact that there are so many story arcs that are not only unnecessary, but they lead nowhere, and I don't see what they're trying to add to the story. I'll just say this also. I don't know what this movie's trying to tell me. I think that okay. the movie is just really like Tarantino saying, I love the 60s. Mm. The 60s it's were part great. Of it. This, remember this cool thing about the 60s? I'm putting it in my movie because I love the 60s. I don't know it's what the movie's trying to tell me. Well, this is why it's growing on me because I think the themes and message are really beautiful here. You got to explain them to me though. Okay, I'll try to do it uh, spoiler free. Oh, and, okay. then, and then maybe we can chat more in spoiler about certain moments of why I see this or yeah. or whatever. But I really think this is a movie uh, about not only dealing with change, but owning change. So this is a movie about a man who doesn't understand how change is you know, impacting his life, why he, you know, why things are different, why they can't be like they used to be. It's about another man who is processing change differently than that. And then Tarantino himself is saying, I'm not only going to observe what's going on in the past, I am going to take hold of it and I am going to also process change and what that looks like and find joy and hope in <laughs> other possibilities, other options. Uh, and so I think what he's doing here is he's for me, he's saying, OK, whatever you're going through, whatever life looks like, you have the ability and responsibility in responsibility to act within that in the best way you can. He's also in a very interesting way on second look talking about our impotence when it comes to change as well, because there are things about the way this movie ends and things that happen that, that kind of are a little off putting, you know, there's, he's really dealing with some, you know, yes, I want to bring joy, but also there is still, there is still threat so it's it's fascinating the way he's he's kind of bringing you to a place where you're like, yes, I have the power to uh, I have the power to respond to change, but I don't have the power to own change. So it's I don't know. I, I, I found it really deep and fascinating the more I thought about it. I think that I took what you're talking about away differently. I think that it's just more. I just got like, oh, you know, Tarantino, he's leave me alone. <laughs> It's because we're recording on a Friday. I have totally. all my alarms no turned worries, off man. for Saturday. No worries. Um, I think that Tarantino really just... Maybe it's just I've seen him do... I'll call it a trope of something he's done in movies in the past. Mm -hmm. So it's I wasn't really surprised. And I guess I could say the ending, you know? Sure. I was like, oh, yeah, he's done that before, you know? So um, Another thing I will give him credit for, though, is... He knows how to build tension. 
because yeah. there are two scenes in particular where I was just on the edge of my seat and I just think anything can happen right now. I anything have, can happen and right this, now. And this is another reason I my meter continues to go towards love. And I, I love it, it's go, it's heading that direction. Okay, right. We we have expanded beyond high side of liked it. Or high side of okay yeah. into firm liked it and it's still moving, you know. So I don't know where it's going to land, but yeah. I will tell you, uh, of all the Tarantino I've watched, this was the first time in a scene I was like, "Oh, he's doing Hitchcock! Like he's doing great push Hitchcock!" I mean, like there there is a an extended scene in towards the middle of this movie. I'll say where somebody's trying to get into a house. Yeah, sure. And I'm just like, this is mind-blowing suspense. Yeah. This is really good. I will push back on that because I think the most suspenseful thing he's ever done was in Inglorious Bastards in the cellar. I think that is the most intense, sure. suspenseful thing. No, it's it's brilliant. I just tweeted the other day that it's in the top five movie openings of all time. Uh, because oh, I wasn't even talking about that. I was talking about, you know, triglasses. You know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking. Of, uh, so I'm thinking of a, the difference. But even but he it, does build tension. You know, yes. that's what I want to give him credit for. Well, here's let, let me clarify a little bit then, because I understand what you're saying. Yeah. So what's Hitchcockian about so, it? Yes, exactly. So the the difference is in just the tension is also the understanding of uh, for me the understanding of audience expectations and where the audience lives. Hitchcock was such a genius at not just building tension because of the story or the event or what was happening, but because he was always giving the audience the exact information they needed at the exact time it would mean something to them. And when you watch this scene in the middle of the movie, um, Quentin Tarantino is like nailing that. Every time something is revealed, it's exactly when it's the most cathartic point for the audience for that. Cathartic's the wrong word. I should say most meaningful time for the audience to experience that knowledge. And it just, it was moment after moment where it was, I was never ahead of the movie. The movie was never ahead of me. We were always right there together for that entire scene. And Hitchcock was just brilliant at that. Yeah. So... So okay. anyways, and, and again, that could just be a personal thing where I just, for whatever reason, yeah. I was owned by that scene. Yeah. But but yeah, no, it's it's a great scene. Yeah. Um, also, you know, you just see so many things that uh, Tarantino references in this movie, whether it's uh, sarcastically or totally against what, if you know Tarantino, like he makes fun of spaghetti westerns in this movie. And Sergio Leone is his favorite director of all time. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I'll just say this. Uh, Leo's character, that's Clint Eastwood. Yeah, in many ways. Yeah, because, you know, he did uh, Gunsmoke, mm-hmm. and then he went on to do all the spaghetti westerns with Sergio Leone. That's what Leo's doing in this movie, you know? It's just this crazy story arc, and like, oh, that's Clint Eastwood. That's just him saying, I love Clint Eastwood movies growing up, you know? Well, if there's in if I'm guessing for him, it's even beyond just Eastwood. I'm guessing for Tarantino, just knowing what I know about his film knowledge and his his geeky brain, yeah. that there's reference after reference oh, after uh, reference that is directly relating to things he loves. And yeah, and I I have to walk away from Tarantino movies going, I, you know, I bow to your knowledge. That's what you 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 win because <laughs> I don't because I'm not I don't. It's not that I don't care. I'm just not going to take the time. 
to understand it on that level of achievement, but I believe that you're doing it. Like, I believe every marquee I saw in this movie was time period accurate to the day. I yeah. believe that. I believe every radio broadcast I heard in this movie was real. Was real on that day. I just believe that Tarantino did that. I don't. I don't need the proof. I don't need. You know, like I just. It's. It's not something I want to spend time. You know, uh, clear or um, certifying. It's just yeah. something I. I'm willing to go along with. Maybe I was just born in the wrong era to appreciate this movie because. It's not like it is a period piece, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, he makes it real. But I also think that there are just moments in this movie where it's supposed to be like, if you were alive and this, if I show you this right now, you're going to flip out, you know, kind of like, you know, what uh, Marvel movies do sure. in, in a weird way, where it's like, if you're in the know, if you're on the uh, inside of what, you know, is being teased, you know, you'll flip out, you know, like, oh, I see what you did there, you know, sort of thing. Yeah, but I, but I I didn't have that. I mean, I was negative six when, you know, 1969. So, I, you know, I didn't experience this era either, but I could I could feel it. And I think at the end of the day, that was enough yeah. for me. I didn't need to. You know, I didn't yeah. need to be able to actually understand it on a truly nostalgic level. I guess what I'm saying is, like, I I understood the references, but I could also tell that there were hidden, like, messages and Easter eggs within it that I wasn't getting. Mm, interesting. I didn't, I didn't sense yeah. that. Um, another thing is that I was not a fan of his lack of continuity with certain tropes. If you're going to have a narrator, have a narrator throughout the entire movie. If you're going to have... Uh, written dialogue show up have it for the entire movie don't have it sporadically you know or a one time off sort of thing you know it's just, it feels out of place you know oh totally but he's always been famous for i mean he's a rebel like he he doesn't like to play by i mean that's always been tarantino he's like why is this a rule why do i need to only do it this way so i i actually kind of agree with you uh, that there there is a continuity aspect that that could provide more of an ease of use factor yeah. for the audience, um, but that's not Tarantino. He yeah. doesn't care. You I'll, know? I'll say this: I like Tarantino, but there are Tarantino fanatics out there. Oh, I, sure. I don't consider myself one of those. I I like a lot of his movies. Well, I'm I love a lot not. of his movies. You know, <laughs> yeah, like Inglorious Bastards is in Pulp Fiction some of the best movies ever made. You know, but yeah. there are people who will swear up and down that the Kill Bills are like the greatest movies of all time, and mm-hmm. and Tarantino can do no wrong. You know, uh, I'll push back on that though. Yeah, well, I certainly don't think he can do no wrong. Yeah, uh, this is really the third of his movies that I've liked, um, and then Kill Bill. I I don't know that I would say I like Kill Bill, but I think I respect Kill Bill and yeah. Hateful Eight uh, both a little more than the others. But this Jackie Brown and um, and Glorious yeah. are the three that I I would say I like those movies, and that's something he made another movie I like. You know, I haven't liked one since. Inglorious. So, um, so that's great. Yeah. For uh, me, I mean, it's good for me. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to scoff at liking a movie. Uh, I'm trying to think. This is what I wrote uh, uh, about Tarantino after, right after I saw the movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tarantino has realized that film projectors are literal time travel devices, and he has decided to use them as such, not just to observe the past, but to dance on butterflies, damn the consequences. So it's kind of that interesting thing <laughs> where it's like, 
people know you can use film to create a whole nother time, right? But Tarantino is not satisfied with that. He doesn't just want to look at another time. He wants to dance on butterflies. You know, yeah. he wants to change things. He wants to get in there and be active in time. And he is treating film like a time travel device uh, even beyond just the idea of observation, which I think is fascinating to me. Those poor butterflies never <laughs> stood a chance. <laughs> so well, what did they do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they all died. <laughs> uh, my one last thing: there sure. is a mid-credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, and it's actually worth sticking around for. It's well, not. It's it, not you know story you know driven it's just fun i have a lot more to say about this movie um oh, but yeah, i, I don't it. no 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 it's i don't think i'm going to get to all of it if i were to sum up it all in one last thing so we can kind of you know move on and continue on with the podcast and we'll get to maybe some stuff and spoilers but uh this this movie is uh humorous in a way uh, until the at the end of this movie the fi- the finale of this movie is humorous in a way that most Tarantino movies are humorous that's exactly it yeah right but before the finale it's humorous in a way that I don't know that his movies usually are there's a lot of character based humor here I know uh, I, I'm being too broad with this statement I no. understand there's some of that in Tarantino movies I'm just saying it felt more like a Coen Brothers comedy exactly it felt more mm. like the humor there was was um it wasn't as caustic. It was, again, you know, uh, more sentimental. And it had to deal with empathy. There's empathy humor here that I think is really good. And I'm, again, not saying he's never done those things. I'm sure there's plenty of examples of him doing those things. But in this movie, it's kind of all he did for the first 80% of the film. Yeah. And then he got back to what he thinks is really funny in the last you know, 20 minutes. But, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> but, I, but I found that fascinating. And by yeah. the way, that last 20 minutes is crack cocaine, man. I mean, it's just like it is... It it is, and there's something interesting again about him saving it just for the finale yeah. in many ways, uh, because his other movies are so peppered with that, you know, mentality and kind of what happens there. So he showed a lot of restraint. Yeah, yeah, very much. Which is not something you usually associate with Tarantino. So maybe again, that's yeah. maybe that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was talking to some friends today about it, and um, they wanted to know how violent, like you know, like <laughs> all, all of his movies are so violent, you know, right. like. Uh, so let me put it this way: the movie is two hours and forty-one minutes long. And 10 minutes of it is violent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it's a, yeah, the last 20 minutes, but I, yeah, yeah maybe just be 10, 15. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, he makes up for it though. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, it's a weird question to answer, right? Because yeah. how violent is the movie? Uh, very, very violent. violent yeah. Except that it's not. What percentage of the movie is violent? Yeah, exactly. And maybe we're giving away too much during non-spoilers. I don't know. But I think that's... No, no, no. Actually, I think that that's pretty good. You know, granted, people should always, you know, be cautious about going into a Tarantino movie. But at the same time, we always let people know about, you know, violence in movies or profanity or stuff like that. Yeah. But... I, I'm sure that there's somebody out there who just doesn't know who Quentin Tarantino is, you know, and they're like, oh, I wonder what his movies are like. I don't know if this would be the first one I would recommend. You know, it, for some people, it would be for yeah. me. I say I, I would say for some, especially who aren't Tarantino fans or maybe have never even seen a Tarantino movie. I would say if you want to understand a little bit about about him as an artist without you know uh, getting your mind scrambled <laughs> right off the bat this is one you can see and just know you're in for a crazy ending you know that's i think i could tell them that and be like 
you know, and then if that crazy ending isn't too much for you, here's a couple others I think you you might enjoy. Um, I think I actually think this might make a good introduction for some people into Tarantino. It's just it's so different from all of his other movies that I think it would. Be. I agree. Well, yeah, but if you're like, what if you, if somebody asks what I like a Tarantino movie, this is the most non-Tarantino of Tarantino's movies. So if I were to like recommend it, I'd be like, here's a movie that's nothing like anything <laughs> else he's ever done. Well, and that's what I, I'm saying. That might be the reason to introduce it to somebody who wouldn't yeah. be predisposed to like Tarantino. Yeah, but then the they're going to pick up like grindhouse or something like well oh, that's what i'm saying i'm saying you tell them if you can stand you know that that that, that portion person. of the movie then maybe imagine you that can... 80 <laughs> times more <laughs> imagine that the entire film yeah and you've got kill bill is this rewatchable uh yes you think so i think so i think there's enough details uh for me and enough emotion for me that it makes it rewatchable for me interesting i don't think so for me i yeah. think this is a one and done yeah. Possibly a reviewing if I like if it's just so long, and I had it's so long and there are so many lulls for me. I didn't have a single lull. I couldn't really? believe it was over when it was over. I was like, "There's no way that was two hours and forty minutes." Ooh, I felt it. I really felt it. I you I'm felt sure, it too. Yeah, I'm sure I, I'm in I the agree. minority here, but I, 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 I the, he for whatever reason. He owned me in this movie. Like he, he really had my attention. I every little detail I was interested in, um, every little character moment, every little, and not just our two, you know, main characters. Like every character he put on screen, I was like, man, I'm really interested in that person and where they came from and you know what they're saying. There's a scene early on uh, with Pacino's character that is one of my favorites in the movie. And he he comes he comes out of that conversation and some of the most amazing stuff happens, but it only happens because of that Pacino conversation uh, and some of the things that are said in that. And I'm just I'm just living in these moments, and it just it just felt so authentic to me, even more than any Tarantino movie I've seen. Is that the uh, the first scene in the movie? Or no 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 the first scene is the. I, well, uh, here's the other thing. I don't know that I could tell you the order of these scenes, and that's that's interesting to me because it almost just feels like I like my life sometimes. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the order of the scenes in my life yeah. because I just lived them and yeah. I just know they're there. Yeah, the first scene was the uh, the black and white like a uh, newsreel. Okay, yeah. That's what. It, but it was a scene after that was the Pacino scene. So that's just all character building. Yeah, you know, that's just, not only character, but that's story building too. So it's vital. Whereas there are plenty of other scenes where I don't see being vital to this movie. Well, I can't wait to hear about them. Yeah, I got a list. <laughs> We'll do that in the Sif spoil. But even though I have it on the high side of okay, I'm still going to recommend it solely f- by how good these performances in this movie are. I, it's, you got to see Leo's performance, uh, especially in this. It's 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 really great. Yeah, it's really great. Well, there you go. There's our thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Stick around for the uh, spoilers in the Sif spoil if you want to hear more and you've already seen it. Uh, that should show up in your feed right after this one uh let's move on to the best ever challenge okay uh we're gonna do best ever movies that have six words in the title now you might think well there aren't that many movies that have six words in the title well guess what there are lots of them uh i have 36 on my list so (laughs) it happens uh six word titles happen uh let's do our top five we'll go number five to number one and then we'll roll run down some honorable mentions as well uh, yeah, I can start. Cool. Uh, I'm really glad this movie cracked the uh, top five for me. It's a recent movie in the top five. It's Bad Times at the El Royale. Yeah, that's honorable mention. I, I, every time I see this, I love it more. 
and uh, I highly recommend you check it out. Drew Goddard is really talented, and the cast is doing great work here, and it's just a fun interest. Talk about Hitchcock. There's a lot of, you know, kind of Hitchcock stuff going on in this movie. So, yeah, Bad Times is, is one of my favorites. Yep. I'm going to go with uh, Bridge on the River Kwai. Yes, or... The, the bridge, bridge. Yeah. on the river Kwai. you got to get that the in there oh uh, yeah yeah um whew, what a great movie um it's truly a classic and it's just a uh, an interesting take on a uh, stockholm syndrome before stockholm syndrome was even known as a thing mm-hmm. uh world war ii uh, japanese camp and uh i gotta look up his name because it's one of the best performances ever uh he played the uh uh, there we go. Is it William Holden? Yes, I think it is. That, no, no, no. It was Alec Guinness, of course. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan giving an amazing performance. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love this movie. Yeah. No, that's a good one. I had it in my honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, you might trump me on this one. Uh, in at number four, I had Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. I have it at number three. Let's go ahead and talk about All right. it. Uh, how good is this movie? <laughs> <laughs> is it? No. Oh, man. It all, I always go back and forth between this and Man on the Moon as Carrie's best. Well, I think I think Man on the Moon is his best performance. I don't yeah. think he's ever been as committed to or enveloped by performance as he was with Andy Kaufman. Well, it changed him forever. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen the documentary? Yeah, it's you, crazy. You, yeah. You have to watch the documentary. It is insane how much that movie changed him as a it's human being. Like a method act type it of was. thing. It was. Yeah. He went full method on on it and kind of lost his mind a little bit yeah and it's it's a fascinating watch uh but that's not the movie we're talking about <laughs> yeah uh we're talking about eternal sunshine uh which may be the best movie he's ever been i think so in. uh i of course like a lot of his movies liar liar may uh be our truman show is actually on the top of my list as far as jim carrey movies yeah uh, but i do like liar liar as well but this one is Phenomenal for many reasons, yeah. listen, uh, including listen, him. Yeah, listen to this cast for this movie. You got Jim Carrey, of course, mm-hmm. and Kate Winslet. Yep. Tom Mil- Wilkinson. Yep. Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, David Cross, and Kirsten Stewart. That is a cast and a half. Uh, Kirsten Dunst. Yes. Oh, well, I said Stewart. Yeah. Didn't I? Yeah. Yep. Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's an amazing. Speaking of uh, Kaufman, a different Kaufman. Yeah. <laughs> Not Andy. This is Charlie Kaufman. Yeah. Charlie Kaufman uh, is one of my favorite screenplay writers, and this movie is a good example of that. Um, uh, Michelle Gondry. This, of course, is what led to Jim and Gondry's relationship that has resulted in the TV show that they're doing together right now, which is a very interesting show. I don't know if you've watched any of the episodes. Uh, it's Snippets. I, I struggle to say that I like it. But I watched all of it. It's a fascinating show, and I think uh, Carrie's giving a fascinating performance. Um, but yeah, I I I really dig Eternal Sunshine for sure. Yeah. So my number four going. Yeah, to that. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, the movie that introduced everybody to Guy Ritchie, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, that's in my uh, honorable mentions. Yeah. Uh, first time I ever saw Jason Statham. This is you know. The spider web of stories, you know, and how they interweave with one another. I always think that that's just a fascinating way of telling stories. Maybe it's why I like Crash so much, you know, because that's mm-hmm, the sure. epitome of the spider web effect of movies, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, this just, it's kind of 
Tarantino, except just more linear. Sure. It's just, you know, the from a ridiculous standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the, none of this would ever happen, but the way that they're shooting it makes me believe that it is happening, you know? Yeah. Um, I think this movie is great. I th- I think that Snatch is a better movie, but it is but five... It only, has, it only has one word in the title. I was going to say, it ha- it's five <laughs> it's words five words short. short. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, my number three? Yes. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Am I trumping you? I am, but it's my number two, so yeah. <laughs> you're just putting you're just putting my movies one above me. Yeah. Just but, trying to one-up me every time, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, That's only going to work one more time. Yeah. <laughs> if we have the same one, yeah. Uh, yeah, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, I'm, I've said this before, I think. I don't know that there's a movie that I know more lines directly from than this movie i think i, I mean, could probably quote 90 percent of the movie we we watched it in high school every time one of us would have you know a stay over sleepover whatever yeah we'd throw monty python and watch it twice three times <laughs> four times <laughs> who oh, knows i ruined my vhs yeah 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 uh, Fun little story, kids. Back in the day, you could only watch a VHS a limited number of times before it no longer it was worked. Actual physical tape. Yeah, it, it was would wear tape. down. It would wear down. It was magnetized tape. Imagine that. Yeah, I I ruined this movie and Spaceballs. Those are the yeah. two movies I I wore out. Yeah, I wore out our copy of Star Wars uh, Ooh, yeah. as well. Yeah. That was taped off of TV. Oh yeah. So I was I, I don't know if I've ever told this story, but my mom's dad, uh my grandpa on her side, uh worked for RCA uh back when they like invented VCRs and TVs yeah. and all that kind of well maybe not back to where they invented TVs, but you know, VCRs. <laughs> and so they had one and of the first picture boxes. <laughs> they had one of the first VCRs and so they would he would literally just set it to record TV all day. So that he could, you know, watch go back and watch home. it when. And so we had so many interesting and weird, you know, things that he had saved on there. So yeah, yeah, that's Cliff. Yeah, that's awesome. Good old Cliff. My uh, grandma would uh, record all the Turner Classic movies for me, so I would always get like the Abbott and Costellos or the Laurel and Hardys. Yeah, and all the good black and white movies. Yeah, I, I yeah, I just remember getting copies of like the Apple Dumpling Gang and yeah. you know Shaggy Dog and all those old Disney movies. Oh, good times. Yeah. Okay, so you're number two. Uh, my number two. Yeah. Uh, the man who knew too much. Hey, there you go. <laughs> You're not trumping I'm it? not trumping it. <laughs> it's probably because we have the same number one. Probably. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, this is the Hitchcock's uh, second version uh, with uh, Jimmy Stewart. He yeah. actually directed this movie twice, which oh, is interesting. Uh, he did. Uh, I can't remember if the first was a silent film. It may have even been a silent. The first one may have even been silent. Um, I don't remember, but I think it was like in the thirties, but this one was in the fifties and was Jimmy Stewart. And so you think about Disney these days, remaking their movies, you know, that kind of stuff. This has always been an option and always been one of the greatest directors of all time, literally remade his same movie 20 years later. So, um, it's a great one. You know, it's got all the suspense. There's an incredible uh, finale that takes place during a big orchestral concert that's really fascinating. And 
the playing of the concert of, impacts their ability to uh, chase this guy and, and know when things are going to happen. And so it's, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And it's yeah. probably the movie that most depends on what is what was one of his most famous tropes, uh, which is maintained uh, as a trope in movies to this day, which is uh, the, the uh, innocent man trope, which is basically somebody who really isn't involved in something all of a sudden becomes involved in something north by northwest is the same trope yeah uh, rear and, window and uh yeah rear window as well um, or the birds they had nothing to do with those birds they just got all angry <laughs> so anyways man who knew too much is a good hitchcock if you haven't seen it you should yeah. check it out not to be confused with man who knew too little no that's totally different it is a totally God different bless movie. Bill Murray. yeah uh we have the same number one i hope so yeah it's got to be Indiana Jones and the Last, Last Crusade. Crusade. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. No, yeah. Whew. Man, I love this movie so much. Is it your favorite indie movie, Easily. too? Easily. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. Uh, junior i mean i know people love raiders I, and i get why people love raiders and by the way uh raiders should just be called raiders of the lost ark not indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark well I, technically it is just raiders of the lost ark or is that yeah, what you're saying hey, that's what i'm saying oh, okay yeah. the people have changed it to put it into indiana the indiana jones, jones trilogy and, and that yeah. kind of stuff but anyways it was originally just called raiders uh, star lost wars kind of had the same thing or it should just be star wars yeah that's what it was called uh anyways uh but indiana jones and the last crusade is yeah. just brilliant <laughs> We named the dog Indiana. That's all I have to say. You you had this as your number one, Aaron. Yeah. You chose wisely. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, I want to go over some honorable mentions. Uh, I got a bunch. Yeah, there are a lot of six-letter. Yeah. Uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yep. One that has to be mentioned. Anchorman, Legend of Ron Burgundy. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Yep. There are a lot of really great ones that could have snuck in oh, yeah. uh, to the list. I mean, so. this one right here, Willy Wonka on the Chocolate Factory. That mm-hmm. could have easily been in somebody's top five. I had a little bit further down than that, but that's fair enough. Yeah, I'm uh, just saying it could have been. <laughs> Walk yeah. Hard, the Dewey Cox story. Yeah. Uh, in the Heat of the Night. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Ten Things I Hate About You. Decent movie. The Men Who Stare at Goats. Nice. I don't think I had that in my list. It's a funny movie. It I'll is. never watch it, it again, but it's a funny movie. It is. <laughs> I have to mention All Quiet on the Western Front. Yes. Um, I want to talk about that movie re- really quick. Sure. That is a fascinating movie and book for the simple fact that it's told from the side of the losing faction of the Which war. does not happen all that it's, often. You rarely hear of, you know, what happened with... It was World War One, so they weren't technically Axis. It was Germans, right. you know, German trench warfare. And I think what the overall message of it is just war is horrible. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter hell. if you're... Yeah, war is hell. It doesn't matter if you're the winner or the loser, you know. Yep. Uh, it's a heartbreaking movie, as all war movies are. It's just yep. interesting from the, that perspective. I agree. Yeah. I'm glad we stopped and chatted about it. Yeah. Man in the Iron Mask. Man in the Iron Mask. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that one. Leo. Yeah, that's a Leo movie, too. Yep. Uh, this is not a Leo movie. Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Yep. Although it's definitely a funny movie. Did you mention Born on the Fourth of July? I haven't. Okay. Well, I just did. Yes, you did. Yeah. Born on the Fourth of July. That works. Uh, let's see. Back to the Future Part 3. Back to the Future Part 2. <laughs> you go right ahead, man. I'm not a fan. <laughs> Uh, what we do in the shadows? Please yeah. tell me you finally picked up and watched that movie. I haven't watched it yet. Oh no. man! That no, movie's... I knew you were going to mention it, but yeah. I have not watched it. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, uh, obvious. Oh, oh, never mind. I was going to be one of those guys. Oh, the book is so much better. Well, I, listen, I agree with you. <laughs> Douglas Adams' books are incredible. I would yeah. say the books are so much better. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's a great series, and he is 
hilarious. Uh, yes. I, I like the movie, though. I really do like the movie, and I'm excited that there's a TV show coming out. I yeah. you know, I love this property. I would love to see as much on it as possible. So, yeah, I like uh, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The Swedish hmm. one, even though I the think ori- the David Fincher is pretty good. The but I think the, the Swedish one's way better. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> the Perks of Being a Wallflower. <laughs> yes! Yes, I have that one I as well. love that movie so much. Yeah. That is, like, such a great movie. Uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yeah. Or Philosopher's Stone, depending on where you live. Yeah. Oh, really? Is it different overseas? Yeah. That's it was originally the Philosopher's Stone uh, in England. Yeah. Isn't the Philosopher's Stone something that's in uh, some other property? I don't know. It's... I just know they changed it to Sorcerer's Stone. Okay. Uh, Fear Loathing in Las Vegas. It's not a movie for everybody, but it's an interesting watch, to say the least. Uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2? Yep. That's my list, by the way, so the rest is you. The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Uh, hand, the Hand That Rocked the Cradle. Mm. Uh, the Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, man. I can't believe I forgot The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, and then one from my childhood. Speaking of tapes I wore out when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. Darby O'Gill and the Little People. What? <laughs> <laughs> I think you just made up a movie. No, but... <laughs> this movie is amazing. It's actually genuinely kind of good, but it's more just kind of one of those old, you know, uh, kids movies that's hilarious. Sean Connery? Yeah, man. Wow. Yep. James Bond doing some Darby O'Gill and the Little People. I'm telling you, find this. Search it out. It really, I watch this. Oh, it's a Disney movie. So. Yes. Oh, yes. I watch this all the time as a kid. Wore that video out. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Jack McGowan. Yeah. Our uh, our six word titles best ever challenge. Yeah. Uh, if you want to check out the uh, the Sif Pop uh, list, you can go to sifpop.com. Our gurus chimed in with their favorite uh, six word titles. Yeah. Uh, you might see some other ones there, like uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, The Old Man and the Gun, uh, those kind of things. So appreciate that. Before we head on to our Sift Quest, uh, there it is, Darby O'Gill and the Little People for the. Uh, <laughs> The uh, non-audio podcast people. Hey, look at that. Look at that. Check this out. Crazy. 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 Look at that. It's crazy. Uh, Oh, no. I have converted. Yes. All right. uh, Before we head on to the Sift Quest, I wanted to thank our Sift Pop members. You are the best. Uh, Don't forget, all Sift Pop members will be in the drawing for the Jordan Peele two-pack Blu-rays of Us and Get Out. We've got three of those two-packs to give away. We're going to be giving them those away to uh, some we're going to be drawing from both our Sif Pop members, those who support Sif Pop, as well as anybody who sends us a Sift Quest. So a question for the show at the email, I should say, which is feedback at sifpop.com. Uh, this is your last chance to get in on that. Uh, when we are back in a couple weeks, we will be announcing the winners. So you want to make sure and get those uh, get that support going now or get that uh, email in now to be entered into the drawing uh, but thank you to our members for making this show and the entire Sif Pop experience possible we love you we appreciate you if you want to be a member it's really easy it all happens at Patreon you can go there look at the perks that come along with being a member it's patreon.com slash Sif Pop and uh, we appreciate you for doing that yeah all right, on to the Sift Quest. Uh, this comes from Gizus on Twitter. 
says, hi, Aaron, back again. You've used my Sif Quest twice now, and I want to go for the hat trick. Well, congratulations. You did it. Uh, throw your hats on the ice. Uh, also, I really want to win the Jordan Peele giveaway. Okay, fair enough. With the decade coming to a close, what do you think will be the movies to define it? Could be five, maybe even ten. Thanks for providing cool content. You are welcome. This is uh, the easiest question ever. Really? Yeah. I did I did not have an easy time with this. I guess I got stuck on what it means to define the decade yeah. as opposed to just be my favorite movies of the decade. Like I, I would find it pretty easy to give you my favorite movies of the decade. Yeah. But finding movies that both I love, that both are considered, you know, great and also kind of define something about the 2010s. Yeah. Um, it was an interesting process. I think I came up with some decent answers, but uh, okay. but yeah, I don't I don't I don't know why you think this was so easy. I'll just go ahead. Marvel has defined this <laughs> decade. I know. I'm, I know. I'm cheating because Iron Man came out in 2008. You sure. Know, so 2008 to 2019. That's 11 years. Fine. Whatever. But you know, the entire this world so has been you, taking. Would you over. use Endgame as the movie example of that? Then would you say Avengers Endgame? You know, kind of defines the decade. Uh, it's the culmination mm-hmm. of the. Defining. I'm just trying to say, would like which movie would you pick? Infinity War as the defining because it is, you know, I think everything led to Infinity War and the end game is the result of Infinity War, if that makes sense. Because it had been building up to Thanos, you know, and then we finally got Thanos. End game is the conclusion of, you know, not this, this era, but I think Infinity War was the climax have i talked lately i don't want to spend a ton of time on this but have i talked on sif pop about my changing feelings on endgame yet i can't remember if i've actually talked about this what you got well i i'm the more and more i think about endgame the more and more i think it really has a horrible message like i I really this idea that the best thing possible is to yeah bring these people back five years later yeah is is kind of like it's really bad <laughs> like this it's it's an it's a really awful idea the better idea is to grow and to move on and to have acceptance and so you saying thanos is right i'm not saying thanos is right i'm saying <laughs> the response was wrong and those are different things um you know i think i don't know it just says something really interesting about i think you cause more trauma by not moving on in your life um, so yeah, I don't know. There's, I, I just, I'm having philosophical problems with it more and more. I just figured this movie was a, uh, three hour version of Chumbawamba. You know, you get knocked <laughs> down, you get back up again. So, well, getting back up again is different than bringing people who've been dead five years back to life, but you're never going to keep them down. <laughs> uh, all right. Did you have others you picked or did you just oh, say Marvel? Well, Mar- I think Marvel is the defining, uh, I, get I, that. I could give you a list of like my favorite movies for each year, you know? No, see, I try not to do favorite movies, but I did do a list of what I think you could say defines, kind of the uh the 10 year span Uh, i would put movies like the social network in there yeah uh i think that's not only is it a great movie and you know wonderful but i think there's something about the understanding of technology and how it has uh you know started to uh creep into our i mean this this movie was made pretty early in the decade i think what 2012 something like that yeah um, and, and yet we still find ourselves even, you know, seven years, eight years later going, okay, 
how, you know, what does Facebook know? What does Google know? What, you know, this is kind of defined who we are. So I wanted that on there. Uh, get out. I, that was actually the next one I was going to talk about. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I really think that is kind of a, even though it just happened, I think you'll we'll look back and go, there's this, this idea of conscious horror, yeah. uh, I think is going to be a real genre. I think, you know, Jordan Peele in many ways, he didn't invent it. It's conscious horror has been done many times before, sure. but he, he put kind of a label on it in a way that I think is going to have a lasting movie impact. So yeah, I had get out, get out in there as well. Yeah. Um, Roma. Uh, if you for, think if for no other reason than than kind of defining the part of the decade that is not understanding what movies are, where they come from, um, the Netflixiness of it all, I think is you know kind of one of those things that uh, you know might look back and be like, oh, you remember when Roma was a great movie that came out on Netflix? Yeah. So, anyways, that's why I put it in there. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty has some really interesting political ramifications. Wait, when did that come out? I think it was 2010 okay. or shortly thereafter. I love that movie. Don't get me wrong. It's great. Yeah. So I think Zero Dark Thirty is another one. Um, I think Inception has to be in there. There's something about Christopher Nolan's movie making that I think does define the decade. The idea of puzzles, you know, mm-hmm. puzzle movie making, taking a kind of a center stance in culture. So I think that's a good one to kind of list in there. Oh man! Did I'm, you have any others? Yeah, I did. I just can't remember the name. Here's of one. It. Here's one you might not like. Uh, I think the Last Jedi, in many ways, may define the decade. And what I mean by for that for controversy, for controversy, yeah. yeah, it's kind of one of those movies that really emphasized uh, toxic fandom as part, and also how we divide ourselves. And this culture yeah. has really been a divided, you know, culture certainly for the last. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people think it started in 2016 with the election of a certain president. This culture was divided before. 2016 um so yeah um this is one it will depend on the future of cinema but it could be you know looked back as the launching point uh bandersnatch oh yeah sure you know i think that's one that could be if choose your own adventure like becomes like a thing you know Mm -hmm. kind of like how avatar people like you think of 3d movies everybody just goes back to avatar that's the one you gotta go see you know so i think if Bandersnatch isn't a one and done, which even if it is, you know, it's unique enough to where I don't even know if you consider it a movie or a game or what. Uh, I also here's a few more I had on the list. Uh, as much as I don't like the movie, I think Hereditary might uh, might be on this list. Um, there's I think if you think of uh, con- the the socially conscious horror that Jordan Peele is doing, you've also got uh, the pretentious horror. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> You could use that you word. You just don't get. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that kind of idea. Um, you said Midsommar is actually better. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I do think so. Uh, I think he, I think uh, Mission Impossible Fallout uh, might be one to look back on and go, man, that really kind of, I mean, just kind of those Mission Impossible movies, changing action movies in a way, taking them back to, you know, just kind of that real, yep. authentic doing stuff. I got it. Kind of stuff. John Wick. Possibly, yeah. I don't think that's bad. No, because people are going to like, this is the movie that got us away from shaky cams and quick cuts, you know? Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, I have La La Land just because I love it so much. Yeah, uh, I could see. I could actually agree with that one. Even though, you know, I would say Arrival is even, it's the same year. Sure, yeah. Arrival's a good choice. Inside Out. But now um, I'm just getting into my favorite movies of the year. Yeah, me so. too. I think this one, I think the, the one, I'll do one more. Okay. Although I did have Paddington 2 in here as well. What? Um, yeah. Oh, you're being serious. No, I, I definitely am being serious. 
I think it could be a defining movie of the 2010s. People, the optimism and the joy I'll, and the yeah. People forgot that movie existed until you just told them. No, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong about that. As a huge fan base. Sure. I mean, just it's like Marvel and then Paddington. Yeah. I mean, I I think you're yeah. I think you're just not tuned in, Andrew. It's okay. I, I guess. No, it's yeah. okay. I I understand. Sometimes you, you just can't be tuned into everything. But, what about these Disney live action remakes? You know, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think you could look at something like Beauty and the Beast maybe as kind of being a defining movie of, of the 2010s or something like that. Yeah, nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nostalgia-driven. But here's the one I was going to go with as a defining movie of the 2010s because it really has been a decade where we've finally seen Hollywood not just uh, pay token observation to multiculturalism, but really embrace multiculturalism and what that actually means. I think Black Panther may be seen as kind of one of those movies that really launched. You could also say maybe Crazy Rich Asians. I was thinking one of Crazy those, Rich Asians. One of those two would fit that idea of, you know, a movie that defined the decade and and kind of changed our perspective on things in a real way. So, yeah, I think that works. No, that's totally right. Very nice. Uh, appreciate it. Appreciate the question. Again, if you have one, let us know. Feedback at sifpop.com. We'll get you entered into the Jordan Peele drawing. Speaking of Get Out. Uh, all right, we're on to the buried treasure. Ooh. What is that one thing in any area of pop culture that you want to make sure people know about? Just came out this morning. Yeah. The Boys on Amazon. Oh, have you watched? Uh, all Halfway through. This show is great. Yeah, this is a superhero. It's real. Yes, it's. But it's so almost meta in a way because. I think it's the most real... I'm not even joking when I say this. I think this is the most realistic. If superheroes existed, this is the world we would live in. Because what it's mainly saying is, okay, how can we make money off of superheroes? We'll market them, you know? And we'll have, you know, them have agents like actors, you know? And, you know, they got to have good PR people, you know? If if they accidentally do something wrong, you know, we got to try and sweep it under the rug. Sounds like there's a little bit of Hancock in there. Uh, not really. Okay, all right. I was just... Yeah, it, it's just more... I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But I just, you don't get that. I guess tonally it's not there. Okay. But uh, I would just say this the show is phenomenal. There's a whole lot of, you know, we were just talking about uh, representation and uh, female empowerment and stuff like that. All that stuff is definitely being hit on in this show. Okay. It, it is very graphically violent and foul language aplenty. Performances are great. It's, if you can't tell by the picture, it's a take on DC's universe, really. What picture, Andrew? This is an audio podcast. <laughs> Look, at this. Look at this. It's crazy. Well, um, but, yes, um, I cannot recommend it enough. It is a fascinating show. Hmm. Yes. All right. Well, now you've officially got it on my uh, radar. Oh, yes. Did you say it was Amazon Prime? Yes. All right. Amazon. I got that. I have that, Andrew. (laughs) I can watch it. No, it is like legitimately an amazing show. Maybe my favorite superhero show. Ever? Like, I'm only halfway through. Season one, Jessica Jones? Maybe. Wow. Hmm. Maybe I'm I'm selling it too much for you. Like, your expectations are too high now. The original X-Men animated series? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, you ready for one of the weirdest uh, buried treasures I've ever done? Oh sure. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know that it's we. It's just it's sports, and we don't often talk about sports stuff. But there's this thing that happens every summer after the NBA has happened and the college season has happened. And by the way, I love basketball, so this shouldn't be a surprise that I enjoy basketball stuff. But I find this tournament fascinating. Is it the dunk? It's called the basketball tournament, the TBT, and it's on ESPN uh, in the ESPN affiliates. And it's a single elimination tournament. Winner takes all two million dollars to the winning team. Big prize involved here. That's the first thing. So you are getting like legitimate great basketball players who for whatever reason aren't on a pro team because the the pros can't take part in this because of contracts and safety and those kind of things. Yeah. So what you've got is a lot of those college basketball players that just couldn't quite get into the pros, but they're still great. And what it makes you realize is how many talented ball players there really are because oh, yeah. these guys are really good. So the basketball's good. And here is the thing that even puts it next level for me and is the main reason I watch almost every single one of these games. They finish their games <clears throat> with what's called the Elam ending. Have I ever talked about this on the show before? The what landing? The, it's ending. Elam oh. ending. E-L-A-M. Now, it's the name of a professor who designed it. Okay. One of the worst things about basketball is at the end of the game, if it's a close game, there's lots of fouling. It takes like, I think the average stat is 17 minutes for the last four minutes of the game yeah. is the average it's ridiculous. stat. It's ridiculous. So what he designed, what he did is he designed this ending where with four minutes left in the game, you turn off the clock, you add eight points to whoever has the highest score. You with me so far? Okay. So let's say it's 72 to 67. Okay. We add eight points to 72. That makes 80 the target score. Whoever gets to 80 first wins. Okay. So the team with 67 has to score 13 points to get there. The team with 72 has to score eight points to get there. No clock, nothing. And what it does, it completely eliminates all that fouling because you don't want them to get any points yeah. to get there. You know what else it does? Every single game ends on a buzzer beater. Every single game, not a buzzer beater, but a walk off. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Every the one of the games I watched yesterday had a walk off dunk. They won it on a dunk. Both teams had, I think, were two away from the target ending. So whoever scored next was going to win. And it was a put back dunk, and they just went crazy. You know, I mean, it's just, it's, it makes the end instead of tedious and foul strategy and that kind of stuff really interesting and exciting. And I swear, if people would pay attention to this, the NBA would do this. College, can you imagine March Madness with the Elam ending where every single game ended with a made shot? Like that's just I, I don't know. I just I'm a I'm a huge fan. That's actually really cool. Yeah, no, I'm I know. totally on board for that. Yeah. So check it out. Like search for it in your listings or whatever, or find a way to watch it online. I think a lot of them are on YouTube, but yeah. it's just called the basketball tournament. Cool. Because I just uh, watched the uh, the uh, National Dunk League contest. Oh yeah. And you ever ever watched that? No. With, like Jordan Kilgannon and stuff. Mm -mm. Oh man, those guys are crazy. Like you know they're they only specialize in like trick dunks and stuff like that. So they I don't know if like their skills you know like team coordination stuff. That's why they're not in the NBA. But they have perfected the ridiculous dunk. Yeah. Like he he does this one called the Scorpion Dunk where it he like turns his hand around his back and like somehow dunks to a goal he or a net he can't even see it's crazy 
But um, that's amazing. Elam ending. Yeah, the Elam ending. It's this professor who designed it like several years ago and couldn't get anybody to listen to him. And and then this tournament was like, hey, let's do this for our games. The other thing, nice thing is, it, I mean, it makes the game time consistent and manageable. Yeah. You know, I think the average last four minutes in an Elam ending game takes six minutes. Whereas it takes seventeen minutes in a, a regular game, so and nobody wants to sit and watch free throws for fifteen minutes. <laughs> well, and think of this other scenario. Let's say a team's down twenty when the Elam ending kicks in, and all of a sudden they go on a huge run, and they're coming back. And you know what I'm saying? Like it's just there's it's it's a really interesting thing. Yeah. A team that's down twenty with four minutes left in the game normally doesn't have any shot at winning. Yeah, but here the clock goes off. If you go on a twenty zero run. You know, you got a shot at this thing. So it's yeah. it's it's kind of a fascinating way to end a basketball game, and I love it. No, so I I'm definitely going to be YouTube. Yeah, you, sh- you should check it out. See if you can, yeah, you should you should find it because it's a lot of fun. E L I M E L A M E L A M. Yeah, the Elam ending, and it's the TBT, the basketball tournament. Cool, cool, cool. Well, we did it, man. Woo! It's a walk off dunk. Yeah, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Scorpion dunk. That's right. <laughs> Oh, I I chose the wrong arm because that's my bad shoulder. (laughs) Oops. You chose poorly. I did. Thanks so much for joining us today for Sif Pop. It is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You can find out more about other shows on the network at studiodna.media or by searching Studio DNA in your podcast player. Huge thanks to Andrew for hanging out again. Oh, thank you. At Flick Freaks on the social medias if you want to check it out. For a little bit longer, yeah. Uh, Thanks to producer Phil for producing a killer video show and a killer audio show. He does both supremely well. Uh, We couldn't do it without you, uh, Phil. Um, I I have philophilia. Is that is that proper? Mm, no, doesn't sound good. No, okay, no. too much. Uh, you can oh, also. He did not want you to be Prince Eric. I don't know if you heard last week's podcast. What? No, it's true. It's true. It's, <laughs> I it's, did listen it's to un- it, but I didn't it's unseemly. Part. Okay. Uh, it's unseemly. She, she's 18, Phil. You, you can't. It's, oh, it's, I didn't hear that part, yeah. Yeah, it's unseemly. I'm too so. old, apparently. I'm really ashamed of you for even <laughs> wanting it, uh, to be honest. Uh, much well, love. Phil's like 21. It's... <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I totally forgot you were 21. I apologize for insinuating something other than that. You wanted some hairy dude to be Prince Charming. What? Yeah. Hairy dude? Harry style. Oh, yes. <laughs> some very stylish dude. Yeah, she had to make me explain the joke, and now it's not funny anymore. Much love and gratitude to our Patreon members for giving monthly to make Sif Pop a real thing. Support starts at three bucks a month. You get access to every bonus episode. We rank our Tarantino movies in this bonus episode. Uh, so all Sif Pop members will have access to that, as well as some other fun perks, including a monthly video hangout. Uh, also, thanks to your support, we've been expanding in 2019 to some fun new areas. You can find all of that at SifPop.com and you can support at Patreon.com slash SifPop. Uh, lots of ways to connect with us. Uh, please comment, rate, leave reviews at Apple Podcasts, throw some stars our way. Uh, or you can email us at feedback at sifpop.com. And by the way, there's some new reviews up there at Apple Podcasts. We should read <gasps> those next episode. They, one of them is. Ooh. I love it. I think the title of one of the reviews is I Love Vanilla. 
So thank you so much. We appreciate that. Uh, you can do that. I tell you what, next time we'll read any new reviews that come in uh, on the next episode. Remind me to do that. Okay. All right, we'll do that two next time. Two weeks from now. Yeah, two weeks from now. And finally, if you're having a good time, your movie-loving friends will probably like the show too, so let them know about it. And that listening is much easier than maintaining stardom in Hollywood. Uh, we will be back with a little bit of spoiler chat on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for you. That'll be next up in your podcast feed. And then we'll see you in two weeks, I think. Two weeks, we'll get back to you with our thoughts on Hobbs and Shaw. See you then. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.